good evening. <laughs> it's me again. Um, tonight, I want to talk about a lifestyle of worship and how we can learn to walk with God. As Jeff asked me a few months ago to share um, something tonight while he's away, the Lord just really prompted me. I began praying, Lord, what do you want me to share? What does he want me to talk about? And I, I felt the Lord say to me, share how to worship and walk with the Lord. And it, it felt like such a daunting task for me. Um, I can always talk about worship, always. It's something so dear to my heart, and there's so much to say. And I just began praying about what exactly it was the Lord wanted me to share, to say tonight. And so please bear with me as I attempt to explain something that's just such a huge part of my life. I'll try to connect all the spaghetti dots, if you will. Um, but I want to begin tonight uh, by sharing that our lives with the Lord are just extremely personal and unique. We each have a testimony of how we came to the Lord or maybe how we came back to the Lord, how we found God. We probably have testimonies of how God has answered our prayers and been near to us in those times we've needed him. And I just want to share our God is a personal God. He knows us each individually. And so I want to start tonight in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, O oh Lord, you examine me and know. You know when I sit down and when I get up. Even from afar away, you understand my motives. You carefully observe me when I travel or when I lie down to rest. You are aware of everything I do. Certainly my tongue does not form a word without you, O oh Lord, being thoroughly aware of it. You squeeze me in from behind and in front. You place your hand on me. Your knowledge is beyond my comprehension. It is so far beyond me, I'm unable to fathom it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee to escape your presence? If I were to ascend to the heaven, you would be there. If I were to sprawl out in Sheol, there you would be. If I were to fly away on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the other side of the sea, even there your hand would guide me. Your right hand would grab hold of me. If I were to say, certainly the darkness will cover me and the light will turn to night all around me, even the darkness is not too dark for you to see and the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Certainly your mind made my mind and heart. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks because your deeds are awesome and amazing. You knew me thoroughly. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and sewn together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was inside the womb. All the days ordained for me. You, you were recorded in your scroll before one of them came into existence. How difficult it is for me to fathom your thoughts about me, O oh God. How vast their sum total. If I tried to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Even if I finished counting them, I would still have to contend with you. There is so much truth here in this passage, and I, I wish I could unpack it all. But what it really comes down to is that God knows each of us so intimately. 
He created us. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows the words before we say them. He knows every detail of our life, and he thinks about us. He has seen everything from the very beginning. And if that isn't enough, he loves us. He sent his son to die for us. Despite all of our choices and mistakes, our hang-ups, he knows us, and he loves us. And if God knows each one of us so intimately and so deeply, it makes sense that our relationship with him would be unique. It would be like no one else's. I want to look at the word relationship for a moment. It's defined as the state of being related by kindred, affinity, or alliance. So basically, those people you're related to, to through blood or through marriage, or who you choose to align yourself with, who you choose to be in relationship with. But in reality, we can have relationships with someone and not actually be close to them, if that makes sense. So you can be related to people in your family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents, cousins. That doesn't mean that you're close to them just because you're related to them, right? So God made a way for us to be in relationship with him through the cross. We have relationship with him because of the blood of Jesus. He is our heavenly father. And when we accept Jesus as our savior, we are then accepted into the heavenly family. Like we have relationship with him. And that relationship does not change based on our behavior. Just like our relationship with our parents, it doesn't change they're still our parents based on our behavior. He is still our father. Jesus is still our savior. And the Holy Spirit still lives inside of us, right? But the reality is we are only as close to God in a personal relationship as we want to be. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I believe that is why the Bible also says we are friends of God. Because friendships are a choice. They're not about kinship or relationship. They are choices that we make. So when God made Adam and Eve in the garden, he walked with them. He had relationship. He spent time with them. And Abraham himself was called a friend of God. And I want to talk about someone else briefly for a moment. I've always been intrigued by Enoch. In the Bible, he's mentioned very briefly. If you guys will turn to Genesis 5 for me. Genesis 5. Genesis 5 talks about the lineage from Adam to Noah. And it talks about all the descendants in between. So basically it says each descendant's name, their age when their firstborn child was born or the firstborn son was born. And then how long they lived after that son was born, how long their life was. But I love what it says about Enoch. We're going to pick it up in Genesis 5 verse 21. And it says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. And after that, he had become the father of Methuselah. Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. So Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more because God had taken him away. Enoch is the only person in this whole chapter that has anything personal written about them. Everybody else is just, Adam had Seth at this age, and Seth, and he lived this long, and then Seth had his firstborn at this age. This is the only personal thing it says about Enoch, and it says he walked with God, and then he was no more because God had taken him away. And I love how it just says this just flippantly, like, oh, God, he just disappeared. Like, he was walking with God, and then, poof, he's gone. And I love that Enoch actually made it in Hebrews 11.5. So there's very few descriptions of him, but he made it to the faith chapter in our Bible. Hebrews 11.5, it says, 
By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And it's so fascinating to me here that he was mentioned in Hebrews 11 as someone who pleased God with his faith. And from what we can tell, all that's said about him is that he walked with God. He spent time with God, right? And so we understand there's a difference between knowing about someone, hearing about someone, and actually knowing them. You know, we can memorize all the stats on a, on a great athlete. We can read all the history books about people that we, we found interesting in history. We can do as much as humanly possible to learn about them, but that doesn't mean we actually know them or we don't have a personal relationship or friendship with them. So what does it look like to be close to God and walk with God? I, I want to start kind of unpacking this by telling a story about my granny. Uh, my granny, in my opinion, made the best chicken and dumplings, like the best. And she came out to visit us one year in Arizona, and I asked her to show me, Granny, you have to show me how you make these. And so I went ahead and got all the ingredients out that we would need, and I got everything ready. And I remember at this time, she just poured a bunch of flour out on the counter, and she made a big hole in the center. And I said, well, Granny, how much flour is that? She goes, I just, I just eyeball it. I'm like, okay. I'm like trying to memorize, right? And then she began starting to add ingredients one by one. And she kept just saying, like, I add this much until it looks like this. this. It's about this consistency. And I add about this much of that until it feels like this. You know, and she's trying to show me how the dumplings should feel texture-wise. And I just remember thinking, like, I am not going to be able to replicate this like my granny. Like, I have no, I know the ingredients, but I have no instructions on how much of anything to add. And the reality is she just knew what it should feel like and what it should look like because she had done it so, so long. She'd made it so many times by trial and error, she just knew how to do it without thinking, without measuring. And our walks with God are, are similar to this. There are a few key ingredients, but how you use those ingredients will become your own personal relationship with God. No matter how hard I try, I will never be able to make my granny's dumplings like she did. And no matter how hard I try, I will never have a relationship with God like somebody else does. It's not going to work because God made me different. God made you different than anybody else. So our relationship with him are completely unique. So what are the ingredients, so to speak, of a friendship or walking with God? I'm just going to say four things. I'm sure there are many, but I'm just going to pick these four. Uh, the first thing I would say would be time in the Word of God. And I think this is going to look different for everyone. There are so many great devotionals out there um, that you can start with. There are so many great Bible studies you can join or do personally. Uh, there's also books you can do. Or just reading certain books of the Bible and just going through each chapter by chapter. What's going to work for you is the one that you're going to do. It's the one that you're most interested in. It's the one that really just it gets you excited to spend time with the Lord, right? The second thing, the second ingredient is time in worship. And I want to unpack what worship is in a moment, but I will say when it comes to personal worship with the Lord, 
Um, again, the worship songs that you feel most connected to, those are great to start with. There are so many great worship songs on YouTube. I wish we could do them all. I have a list of like 55 that I want to add sometime in the future. Uh, there's always, it's growing and growing, but, but the reality is I have to do it, what goes with what Jeff's speaking on from, from week to week. But our personal worship time can be so sweet and so intimate with God because it's our heart to the Lord. And there's no wrong worship song to do. It's whatever song you just feel close to God and connected to God with. And sometimes that changes from season to season as well. And the third thing, that ingredient for friendship with walking with the Lord is time and prayer. And Stephen had a great message on prayer on Sunday of one aspect of prayer, of just learning to sit at God's feet. Um, but again, whatever prayer you do, whether that be um, prayer speaking the word of God or just prayer sitting with the Lord or prayer pouring out your heart with God, that's between you and him. And the fourth thing, the last ingredient I would say is just really learning to Spend time listening to God's voice through the Holy Spirit in your life. And the key ingredient to all four of these is time. Time. Any relationship or friendship that you have, anyone that you're close to, all of that really just depends on how much time you spend with those people in your life. It doesn't have to be special time, just time. So when we're talking with the Lord, it's, it's time in worship, time in prayer, time in the word, but time is what's needed. Little by little every day, right? And the discipline, it's important to have discipline to set aside time for God every day, but it's the little things each day that strengthen our relationship with God. And some days it's going to look like first thing in the morning, you're able to get up and spend time with the Lord right away and you're able to to delve into this. And then some days the day gets away from you and, and you're like, oh, it's been all day, but the Lord is still here in the night. The Lord is with us all the time. So we can have this time with the Lord all day, anytime it's convenient for you, right? But when you think about your closest relationships, who is it that you call or reach out to when you've had something great happen or when, when you're struggling, when you're going through a difficult situation, who is it that you talk to regularly just, just because? Those are the people that we're closest to. And it took some kind of time or major life event to really solidify that relationship that we have with them. And when we're disciplined and spending time with God through his word and through worship and through prayer, through learning to listen to his voice in the Holy Spirit, it solidifies our personal relationship with God. It's not really about a checklist. It's about a priority of our heart. And the amazing thing with the Lord that I found over the years is the more time I spend time with God, the more I want to spend time with God. The more I want to spend time in his presence, the more I want to hear his voice and spend time in his word and spend time worshiping. It begins to be contagious when we start to prioritize him in our lives, when we really begin to understand his worth and his value. What we value, what we care about, are what we prioritize or what we worship. Webster's Dictionary defines worship two ways. It defines it to honor or show reverence for something as a divine being or supernatural power. And it also is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, 
or devotion. Worship is really a posture of our heart. It's what we deem the most important. It's not really about worship, although as Christians, or excuse me, it's not really about music. Although as Christians, it's a big part of, of our corporate worship is honoring and acknowledging the Lord through music. It's biblical to worship the Lord through music, right? But worship is so much more than just song. It's, just, it's more than just music. It's an attitude of the heart. It's about loving the Lord with all of your heart. In Deuteronomy 6, you guys can turn there if you will, Deuteronomy 6, Moses shares with the Israelites his final words of wisdom and encouragement before he dies and before they go into the promised land. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. These are the commandments and statutes and ordinances that the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you to follow in the land that you are about to enter and possess, so that you and your children and grandchildren may fear the Lord your God all the days of your lives by keeping his statutes and commandments that I give you, so that your days may be prolonged. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe them, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, your, the God of your fathers, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words I'm commanding you today are to be upon your hearts, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. I want to focus here on verse 5. In the Gospels, when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he replies with this verse. It's found in Matthew 22:37. It's also recorded in Mark 12:30 and in Luke 10:27. It says the greatest commandment Jesus declared was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if Jesus says this is the greatest commandment, then I think you got to figure out how to do it, right? So I want to start by breaking it down. The word love first here is defined in the Hebrew in a couple different ways. It's actually four ways. The same word in Hebrew that is used to describe our love for God is also used to describe human love for another. This includes family and intimacy in marriage. The second thing, second way it's used is it's used to describe human appetite for objects such as food, drink, sleep, and wisdom. The third way it's used to describe is our love for God. And the fourth way it is described as acts of being a friend. And in our English dictionary, love is described as an intense feeling or deep affection and also taking a great interest or pleasure in something. Those are all the ways love is described in the Hebrew and then also in the English dictionary. And again, I'm reminded of Enoch, who was a friend of God. He walked with God. When you love someone or something, you spend time with that person or you spend time doing those things that you love to do, right? 
When you love a friend, you're there for them. You make plans to spend time with them. When you love a family member, you show it. When you love a sports team or a hobby, you watch the games or you go do the thing you love, right? So my question is, do we have a deep affection for God? Do we take great interest or great pleasure in getting to know him? Do we love God as if he were our family? Do we love God as much as we love our favorite foods or our favorite sports team or our favorite hobby or our favorite TV show or our favorite fill-in-the-blank, whatever that is? And, and do you love God as much as those other things in your life that you think bring you joy or fulfillment? Let's look at how we are to love. Because it says to love the Lord your God, but it tells us how. It says, the NIV translates the verse this way. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. So the phrase with all in Hebrew means the whole, every, and totally. So we are to love the Lord wholly, totally, with all, with all of what? It says first, with all of your heart. And heart is translated in the Hebrew as your inner man, your will, and your mind. The dictionary also defines heart as one's innermost character, your feelings or inclinations. So we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our will, our mind, our feelings, our inclinations, right? We're to love him with all of our soul. Soul is translated here in the Hebrew, the Hebrew as life, self, person, desire, passion, appetite, and emotion. So we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, our will, our mind, with all of our soul, our desire, our passion, our appetite, our emotion, and with all of our strength. And strength is translated as abundantly, exceedingly, or great. So we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, our will, our mind, with all of our soul, our desire, passion, appetite, emotion, and with all of our strength, exceedingly, greatly, abundantly, right? So how, oh, I'm sorry, really quick. There are two other translations I want to share. And this is why, you know, when you go through these verses, sometimes it says something different depending on the translation your Bible is. So the net translation says, you must love the Lord your God with your whole mind, your whole being, and all your strength. And the NASB says, you shall love the Lord your God with your heart and with your soul and with all your might. So just other ways of saying those same words, right? So how then do we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with our mind, our strength? How do we do that? As best I could unpack it, I've got three ways. <laughs> and I'm sure there's so much more. But the first way is to really prioritize him each day. And this doesn't mean, again, like I said, checking the boxes off. Um, you know, okay, I want to be a good Christian. I'm going to spend time with the word. Check. And I, I want to spend time in prayer. Okay, check. And I, I want to talk, go to church or go to Bible study. I want to spend time in worship. Check, right? It's, it's really about 
having our heart, pausing throughout our day and acknowledging who he is and having that heart mentality of God, I want to prioritize you. I want to put you first. I want to share a quick little antidote. I'm running out of time. Lord, help me. Um, A quick little antidote, because this happens to me all the time. And and at this point, I just have to laugh at the Lord because he's continually teaching me. Okay. Early on, when I came to the Oasis uh, 12 years ago, uh, I had worked in another church and started working here. And we don't have offices here. And when we met at Basha, we didn't have offices there. So I worked from home, essentially. I'm an introvert. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm an introvert. I love my alone time. But I still like a little bit of socializing because I'm a female and I like to talk. I just want to talk to somebody, you know? And so I remember when I first started the Oasis, there'd be times where I'm learning this new thing and I'm trying to figure this out and I just want to talk to somebody about it, right? And every time I'd pick up a phone to call a friend to talk to them, they would never answer the phone. Never. It, it just like went straight to voicemail every time. And finally I stopped and I was like, Lord, why, why can I not talk to anybody about this? Like I need to process this. And the Lord said, talk to me first about it. Okay. And so I started putting this into practice. Sorry. I started putting this into practice and I started, okay, Lord, I'm really frustrated that I need to talk to this or how do I do this or how do I do that? And I go to him first. And immediately after I go to him first, I'd say, Lord, will you help me know who I can talk to about this? And every single time up until this very day, it happened literally today, I was talking to the Lord about stuff and I'm like, I really want to talk to so-and-so about this. And I go to call so-and-so and they can't answer the phone. They don't answer. And I was like, oh Lord, you're teaching me to call you first. So I start to talk to the Lord, and within five minutes, they call me back. I'm like, okay, God, okay, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to call you first. So prioritizing God and prioritizing him each day is he's the first one we go to. He's the first place that we look. And I'm still learning this. We're all still learning this, right? But I literally was laughing in my car today because I'm like, okay, God, I get it. I know you've told me this a million and five times, and yet here I am again, and I want to process with somebody else, and you're making me process with you. And then inevitably, he's like, okay, great. Now here's your friend, and you can process with them, right? But he's the first one we go to. Okay, the second thing. The discipline of growing with God is so important, but we we don't want to be like the Pharisees where we're going through the motions of religion but our hearts are far from God, okay? Isaiah 29, 13, I'm going to read it to you guys, says this. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. And Jesus quoted this exact verse in Mark 6 when he said, Jesus answered them correctly, them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we have to be careful of not going through the motions of a close relationship with God just by checking all the boxes, as I said. We don't want to have all the knowledge of God, but not actually know him. We don't just want to fill our mind with the knowledge of the word of God without actually pausing and saying, God, I want to know what this means and teach me how to put this into practice and how do I do this, right? And one thing that I found to combat kind of the daily disciplines of walking my life with the Lord is to pause and acknowledge his presence in my life. I try to do things daily that help me to feel close to God. So I want to ask you, how is it that you feel close to God? Maybe you feel near God when you're outside in nature. Maybe you feel near God when you're listening to worship music or when you're in the word. Or maybe it's when you feel like you're doing exactly what he created you to do and you feel like God is with me. There's no one size fits all. He made us each unique. 
But there are ways that we can, we can start to feel near to God. And so that's the second part of just the discipline and growing with God, but also pausing and acknowledging him and his nearness. And the last thing, which is really a combination of all these things, is, is learning to seek him daily and acknowledge him in our day-to-day life. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, right? So there's nowhere we can go that he is not. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Acts 17, verses 24 through 28. I'm going to read this to you real quick. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Verse 27, God did so, did this so that they would seek him and reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from anyone, for in him we live and move and have our being. We literally can go nowhere without God, because he's everywhere we are. And we just read this in Psalm 139 in verse 7. You know, when we said, where can I escape from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I were to go to heaven, you'd be there. If I were to go out to Sheol, you'd be there, right? There's nowhere we can go that God's not already there. And because we know that God is always with us through the Holy Spirit, then we always have an opportunity to pause and to acknowledge and to think about, God, I know you're here with me now. And we can begin to grow in that area. Because God wants us just to try to seek him, to try to acknowledge him. I know I'm giving you guys a lot tonight, but we don't really have to make this hard, if that makes sense. I, I really try to view my relationship with God as, as kind of a constant conversation between us. Like I like to start my day in worship and in the word and in prayer, but then the conversation doesn't really end. There's just pauses in it. Um, I try to keep that connection going because he's such a big part of my life, right? So, so while I'm working, I'm, I'm praying. While I'm driving, I'm like worshiping or I'm praying. And uh, while I'm, you know, doing everything around the house, I'm worshiping or I'm praying. Like I'm, I'm trying to incorporate him in a part of my day and not out of duty, but out of just, I like to spend time with him. Just like you do those people you're closest to. You enjoy their presence. You enjoy their company. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29, says, If you will seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. I truly believe that God is always speaking to us. We just have to learn to pause, as Stephen was talking about, just to to listen to him. Recently, I was driving, and as my boys always do when I'm driving, they like to ask me deep questions. Like, while I'm driving, I'm like, I'm trying not to hit this person next to me. Can we not have a Bible study right now? Uh, But they'd love to do this, and so I try to, the best way I can, Holy Spirit, help me to answer this question and help me to be patient. Um, But they said to me, Mom, how do you know God's voice? And I was like, oh, (laughs) no big deal. 
Uh, let me just explain this to you guys. And so I was, I was praying, like, Lord, how do I explain this? And this is what I came up with. Do you guys remember back in the day when there were just landlines? No cell phones, just landlines. And the phones did not have any caller ID, right? You just never knew. You just picked it up willy-nilly, didn't know who you were going to talk to. Like, oh, I hope this is not a telemarketer. Um, you would just pick up the phone, and when it rang, and the caller typically would say, hello. I would say, I answered the phone, Hatton Residence. My maiden name is Hatton, and my mom taught me. You need to answer the phone, hello, Hatton Residence, so the person that's calling knows who they're calling, which number they're reaching. Okay, okay yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, hello, Hatton Residence, and typically the person that's calling says, hi, this is so-and-so, can I talk to Bob, or whatever it is. And many times, after overtime, when your friends would call you, and you spent time talking to them on the phone, you didn't need them to say who they were, right? They'd call, hey, Nicole, it's so-and-so, right, at first. Hey, Nicole, how's it going? It's so-and-so. After a while, hey, it's me. How are you? And you begin talking to this person because you recognize their voice. You didn't need them to tell you who they were anymore. And I think hearing God's voice is, is kind of like that. When we spend enough time in his word, we learn his voice. When we spend time worshiping him and drawing near to him, in prayer, we begin to recognize his voice. My last verse, you guys, is John 10, 14. And it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And this reminded me of a few months back when Jeff was speaking, and he spoke on the voice of God, and he said that the sheep would all be, everybody's sheep kind of went to the same pen. I don't know if you guys remember this teaching that he did a few months back. He said all the sheep would line up in the same pen and they learned their shepherd's voice. So their shepherd would just come and make his call and all his sheep would just come out and follow him. And the rest of the sheep would stay there because it wasn't their shepherd, right? And we get to learn to listen for God's voice in our lives every day. God is always with us. We have the privilege of seeking him and learning to listen to his voice. I just want to encourage us as I'm closing that God knows each one of us here tonight. He knows each one listening online. He knows every detail about us. He loves us and he is for us. He will never leave us because his very spirit lives inside of us. And I just want to remind us that our God is a personal God. He formed us, and he wants fellowship with us. And we are as close to him as we want to be. He did everything for us on the cross. He made a way for us to have relationship with him. And now we get to decide how close of a relationship, how close of a friendship we want. So as we spend time in his word, as we spend time in worship, as we spend time in prayer, through learning to listen to his voice through the Holy Spirit in our life. We get to put God first and let him be our first priority. And it's as simple as starting our day with him and letting that communication stay open throughout the day. Uh, I love the song, Endless Alleluia, that we did tonight because it really starts, the first couple of verses is, in the morning when I rise to meet you, in the morning when I lift my eyes, you're the only one I want to cling to. You're the first thought on my mind. And the last verse of that song, the last thing we sing is, in the evening when I lay my head down, in the evening when I close my eyes, you're still the only one I want to cling to. 
You're the last thought on my mind. Let's pray. God, we just, we pray what this song talks about, God, that when we wake up in the morning that you'd be our first thought, that you would be our first priority, Lord, that we would find ways to spend time in your word, to spend time in worship, Lord, to spend time with you in prayer, Lord, to learn to listen to your voice through the Holy Spirit. And God, that as we, in you, we live and move and have our being, Lord, that we know that you are with us at all times, God, that you are for us, and that you are as near to us as we want you to be, God, that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us, Lord. We are as close to you as we want to be. And God, I just pray that in the evening when we lay our heads down, God, that you're the last thing that we think of, God. That as we move throughout our day, those countless miracles of life that happen around us, they point to you, that we can acknowledge you, that we can put you first, Lord. I thank you that it's not about religion, it's about relationship, it's about friendship, God. We thank you for the honor and privilege that we have to do life with you because of the blood of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, as we go throughout our evening and through the rest of this week, Lord, that we begin to put into practice some of these things of acknowledging your presence, of listening for your voice, of meditating on your word, God. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Sunday, Jeff will be back. Have a good week. Bye.